Hello, everyone, and welcome to Credit Chasers, the movie podcast that travels by credit. This is the this, the show where we can watch any movie we find through the connected credits of the previous movie we watched. And I am Harry. I'm Breton. And today we're joined by, by a special guest, Joseph Elliott. Say hi, Joe. Hello. Thanks for having me on here. Thank you. And uh, I, I'll have you introduce, what, or at least... Tell uh, tell the listeners how we landed on on our movie today. We don't really let the guests pick, but I'll, uh, as has become tradition, take take us through the the order of operations how we've arrived here. Yeah, yeah. Up until this point, so, little flowchart. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly how all the movies you've seen up until this point, but the mm-hmm. last one was Gamera Two, right? That's mm-hmm. right. So we started so, with. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I haven't. Um, I haven't seen that one. I've still only ever seen the original Gamera. It's kind of my big blind okay. spot. Like I've seen my share of Godzilla's and mm-hmm. Ultraman's Gamera. I've only ever seen the first one. But in the credits to that, we saw an actor. So I don't know who who he is in that movie uh, he... so, because I haven't seen it. But he is in there. Is a uh, Nagashima Tashiyuki. Mm-hmm. I may be pronouncing that right. I don't know. Uh, and he's a fairly big actor in The Discarnates, which is. The Obayashi movie. So there were a lot of directions to take it, but as soon as I saw I could go to Obayashi, I had to. Uh, my mind was made up. Yeah. So he, uh, he's sort of one of the two male leads of of Gamera too. Mm-hmm. Pretty pretty main. He's he's. I, be, I believe you might have accused him of being the boring soldier boy, Breton. Which is I mean, <laughs> really? I mean maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a very you know. It's, it's a, a good movie. movie. It's, it's not a meaty. Point. It's not a meaty role, but yeah, so, it's, yeah, it's yeah. better than John Carter. Yes, which is <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Th- thank you for elegantly seg- segueing me back to my bit. We started, of course, with John Carter, our North Star, our Lode Star, the movie we could, in theory, return to at any point if we felt the need to reset this chain of chaos. And then we had our first guest, Esther on. She she picked out a special thanks to Peter Gabriel credit and jumped us from there to the Last Temptation of Christ. Yeah. From th- from there slightly we slightly better movie. Slightly better movie. <laughs> just a, just just a hair's breadth. You know, both both big JC movies. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then from there we we decided to follow the career of sound editor Skip Leavesay for a week and watched Stephen King's Maximum Overdrive. Another not too good. Slightly movie. worse movie. Yeah. 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 Weird. Weird run there, weird pattern, alternating pattern. <laughs> well, and then we throw it off by, by sorry, Phil Adams' stuntman, but we followed him to Doom, another n- not exactly a banger. Until I was editing that episode on this very day we're recording this, I forgot we had watched that movie. Like Every... I, forgot. I, I don't remember anything about it. Every time I tried to conjure up the like mental list of what we'd watched, I was like always one short, and it was always Doom. Such a void in my memory. So uh, that episode movie. just launched today, so I listened to part of it before mm-hmm. here. I didn't get through the whole thing; just didn't have time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, also you know, bad movie. But early, I think Doom Two kind of caught us stray there, and I, I just want to be at least a maybe not like a full throated Doom Two defender, but I think Doom Two is pretty good. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of hard on it sometimes. I should say I, I was perhaps you know, 
a little harsh at that certain point. I, I think some of the level design is frustrating, which always gets me with Doom 2. But, I mean, overall, it is still, you know, Doom. So it's just more Doom, <laughs> another helping. You can't really go wrong with that at the end of the day, I suppose. Got that, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's just more, and it's not necessarily better. But mm-hmm. to me, following it up is like, I, I want to play some more Doom. I get it hit that. the spot. Like that mm-hmm. and Doom 64. Yeah, yeah. I can play those three all the time. Past that, I, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. The, the, anyway, I, I did my only diversion here. I just no. I mean, Doom Two is pretty good. Uh, I, I, yeah, I also I'm, have like small, definitely some frustrations with it. But I, it's you know, it is exactly what what we're saying here. Doom. It's more Doom. It's, that it's good better stuff. than Doom the movie. Oh it, man! Get, but yeah. what isn't really? <laughs> we 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 decided to try to Doom be optimistic 3? with Doom. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And um, and pull out something we kind of liked. In this case, the makeup effects, a weirdly Oscar-nominated sort of special effects teams mm-hmm. involved in Doom. And so we followed Eddie Yang uh, back in time to Kiyoshi Kurosawa's Sweet Home. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I still haven't seen that. It's it's good. It's just up on which I, I I will put in the episode description. I will mention this, but it's up on YouTube. It's actually more watchable than I realized for for people, which is good news. But uh, yeah, pretty pretty fun movie. And, yeah, yeah, um, I like that one a lot. It's a good time. Also features early special effect makeup work from Kazu Hero, another another Oscar winning guy. Just does like celebs prosthetics to look like historical people now, seemingly. Um, does <laughs> some real fucked kid. up shit on Sweet Home. So <laughs> yeah, that follow- last. Scene with like the dude pairing. disintegrating is pretty great. That's, yeah. that's an all-time. The, the disintegration and that big monster at the end, yeah, yeah. definitely mm. highlights. So we followed Ka- Kazuhiro to uh, Zyrum, the um, oh, I'm blanking on the director's name, but the uh, the Toku sort of sort of uh, bounty space bounty hunters v nasty alien movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, live action one. Yeah. Yeah, I saw the anime mm. like years ago. I remember thinking it was cool, but I I don't trust my old opinions on anime. I, I've, I've heard it's fun. It's getting a a blue a Blu-ray soon. It's a I guess a prequel focused on the on the character in the movie. Go figure. Yeah, that checks mm. out. Um, and then uh, so we jumped from Zerum via actor Yukijiro Hotaru to Gamera Two. And then, yeah, as 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 Joe outlined, we we're now following Toshiyuki Nagashima to the Discarnates, the Obayashi movie. That at first I thought I was going to have to tell people you're not going to be able to watch this movie, but it is actually on the Internet Archive. If you oh. go over to the Internet Archive, you can what, watch. What's this movie. going on with them, though? I thought are, are they still sort of afloat? Crumbling? Who knows? Yeah. Unclear. I mean, <laughs> it's not good. I don't think. Given right my now. best wishes to them. Well, if if it goes down, if anybody is on Twitter and follows me, I could uh, I could probably hook them up with a slightly better quality copy if need be. Ooh. Yeah, it's, it's I don't kind of... think the movie is really like properly available, is it? No, it's not. Uh, there's a couple. There's I think about a half dozen now Obayashi movies on on translated discs, like currently mm-hmm. in circulation. The two um, the third window sets, but uh, neither of them have the discarnates, so. Yeah, it's great to see all the new releases, mm-hmm. but it's still not even close to enough. No, and and it's still a, a you know boutique. You know, I think people, some yeah. of the big Obayashi heads out there, are really holding out for you know Criterion or someone with some more you know public clout to to distribute well, his honestly, movies. Honestly, I think they uh, 
they really have to after just how I think badly they treated House. Like mm-hmm. I think they owe it to him, like mm-hmm. an apology for the horrible marketing they've given that mm-hmm. movie. Like I'm glad it's been available on a Blu-ray, but of course, but I they've got to release some more. Just as I don't know, like a a box set or something, mm-hmm. like. 100%. And try to be a little less condescending about it, maybe. Definitely. Which I, I guess is a nice enough segue to to sort of o- open the, the, the Discarnates conversation, which is what what was everyone's Obayashi experience prior to going into this movie? This was a rewatch for you, Joe, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I saw it uh, a few years ago. Um, I went on a big Obayashi kick. Like, I'd, I'd seen House... Mm-hmm. Uh, a long time ago, a couple of times. Uh, I hadn't seen anything else until uh, a few weeks or a month or two before he died a couple of mm-hmm. years ago. I just went on a big kick. I saw seven or eight of his movies uh, and was just absolutely, you know, mm-hmm. fallen in love. And then he died, and on Twitter, people were passing around his movies. Mm-hmm. Just like I'd seen what I could get a hold of. And then all of a sudden, I went from having seven or eight movies to like 20 25 or something and then there was a crowdfunding thing to get new translations sort of fan translations i guess mm. for some unreleased stuff and it just kind of kept going and going and going so uh shortly before his death and for a few months after his death i thought i saw quite a few movies including this one and then a few more since then so i don't, I don't know where i'm at now i'm uh double digits not up to 20 i don't think but a, f- a fair number of his movies i think the the, the most versed on the pod probably then breton I, well i shouldn't speak for breton how many had you seen going into this breton uh, just two before this I, I, mm. I think i had seen house once on my own then again when we podcasted about it which would have been like oh man I four forgot. years ago maybe that would be yeah, that, that's, that literally that's, might not be it's not online anymore no no yeah no. we've gone the there's, way of those there, movies there, yeah. there's a few of those that we put back up on the patreon the, oh the, really i didn't know that yeah well we didn't feel like putting content out one, one or two <laughs> months i think or like yeah. to tide people over christmas breaks or whatever kind of thing. I, I mean that that makes sense that's sort of on um, brand I but, suppose, but we but picked yeah, yeah. we picked ones that we remembered being like you know highlights of that pod i, I don't think house snuck on there but yeah that was um, an early one i think an early cut but but anyway that was I, an early cut. i'd seen that i had seen the motorbike one mm. the motorbike island joint yeah. his and, uh, his motorbike her island yeah, 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 and and then and then this one yesterday, yeah. So those are the only yeah I've only only seen three, so probably mm. the least number of Obayashi's watched among the pod. Yeah, for me, all good ones. Yeah, yeah. true. Um, for me, I'd seen I'd seen House a few times. Obviously, like like we were saying, it's the one that was out there for a long time, and mm. and uh, I think I saw that like in high school first or whatever. And then, yeah, not one to to really want to write off any director as making one weird movie that people talk about and ignoring the rest of the oeuvre. When I when I when I get a hands my hands on them, I watched yeah, his motorbike, her island. I think more recently, Sada Sada was up on Criterion Channel for mm. a bit. I watched that there. I sort of forgotten I'd seen that one actually. Um, that's and, that's actually one of the big ones I haven't seen yet. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that was. Get on to that one. I hear it's great. Yeah, yeah, no, terrific. And then um, I'd seen, uh, I guess, a short film or two. But then the other, the other major feature I'd seen was was Hanagatame, um, which obviously is uh, uh, both very in keeping with with his oeuvre and, and sort of a 
weirdo. It's on it's on aesthetic thing at least. Cool looking movie. Um, yeah, I love that movie. Love the movie. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's it. I have uh, do, I have purchased both of those those box sets, so I've got some some blues to get to at some point uh, too. I'm excited, even just to uh, I'm looking forward to even just going back and rewatching his motorbike her island in HD because I think it was you know 720 or worse when I watched it. Yeah, probably same. Yeah, pretty gnarly cut. I think pretty yeah. gnarly ripped. Yeah, for me. some some of the files that were floating around were uh, not in great shape and some of them still aren't mm-hmm. but uh in the past couple of years quite a few of them have have come out one way or the other in a a lot better quality i, I watched the discarnates first on like a vimeo link somebody oh, just geez. uploaded it to vimeo in terrible quality but you know that's what i had i watched it it was great now i've got like i think there's i think there's a blu-ray rip out there maybe i don't have the blu-ray but either way it looked mm-hmm. it looked great and much much better it's a some of his movies i know have had japanese blu-rays like for ages long before obviously we got them in any case there can be a it seems like a weird delay on that stuff or a i think it, there's also just i don't know i guess yeah i don't know a lot about his reputation in japan but i know he's more than just the house guy there yeah because i think he a couple several of several popular movies yeah, yeah were decently popular right um, I, I think so. I think he was. Uh, I don't know if he was necessarily a mainstream director, mm-hmm. but he, he, I think he was known and respected. I there's mean, a, there's a couple of like, you know, you know, there's like an Osama Tezuku adaptation or whatever, right? Like, there's some sort of brand recognizable stuff there. And I oh, certain, absolutely, certainly in my in my reading, it's not that there's a ton of uh, like background to historical detail like readily available in English on. <laughs> on this movie but there seemed to be some implication in some of my reading that he had a few things that were sort of decent successes beyond beyond house obviously which was i think a, a pretty good hit for the studio at the time yeah Both i movies. know he had some uh yeah house was like a quite a big hit i think but i, I know he made other movies that were certainly more mainstream <laughs> in their i think tone and genre uh, and somewhat form, although he always managed to put himself in there. Um, I think stylistically, if not thematically, uh, I just I don't know how big of a hits how big of a hit they actually were. Yeah, but they seemed definitely more of like a mainstream attempt. Uh, I no idea on box office. I'm not really a box office guy to begin with, but especially no. not uh, '80s movies from other countries. I don't really. <laughs> I mean, it's impossible. Yeah. It's not encyclopedic on that, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, there's not a lot out there. But, uh, yeah, so how did everyone feel about the Discarnates, this this viewing or and or first viewing? Coming I, thought in. It was, I thought it was good. I think, uh, yeah, these flicks are good. The, the <laughs> flicks that this they, fella yeah. put out, the, the, that this cat put out. Uh, uh, yeah, hard to, uh, <laughs> hard to argue that, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think I I said this before, but it's probably my favorite out of those three. I guess, like the three that I've watched. That is, mm-hmm. I, I I suppose, like we were sorting, uh, sort of alluding to, you could probably pick any of those three. You'd have a a strong argument, but I don't know. It, it felt the, I don't know, the the cleanest expression of some of his ideas that, from my limited knowledge of his work you mm-hmm. know his ideas of a, about memory and sort of the the whole of the past and, and such like uh yeah it, it, and it seemed to, to to sort of straddle a particular tone very well where it's you know 
sort of catapulting between horror and drama and in moments of surrealist comedy in a way that always feels perfectly cohesive kind of thing. Uh, I don't know. I just liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. How did you feel yeah, I, uh, revisiting it? Yeah. I, I The first time I saw it, I liked it quite a lot, but I think I saw it between uh, two movies I just liked a bit more. Mm. I, one of them was probably His Motorbike, Her Island, and the other big one that I saw early was... Um, Bound for the Fields, uh, mm. The Mountains and the Seacoast, which is my favorite of his movies and just one of my favorite movies in general. I just, uh, that one, I think, in my first sort of marathon took up a lot of space in my mind. And mm. so none of the other ones were quite on that level. So I, I liked it a lot. Um, but it didn't stick with me the way some of his other ones did. So coming back to it now, I was, I don't, I won't say surprised, but uh, happy to find that I, I think, yeah, I love this movie. I think it's a great movie. Like having it stand on its own with a little bit of distance mm-hmm. from the marathon, which can kind of be, it's interesting to watch them all in order like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, or not in order, but just so many of them close together because you'll see connections and you'll see contrast, but it can kind of overshadow some of the individual films. And yeah, but- yeah seeing it on its own and in a much higher quality copy uh, to appreciate the look of the movie a little bit more. Uh, yeah, I think a great movie, great movie. Yeah, it's certainly a very pretty looking movie. I, I think the copy Brendan I watched was like, you know, slightly muddy, I would say, here and there. But overall, I think you at least not got... Not too bad. Not too bad, yeah. exactly. Like, you know, it translated okay visually. <laughs> very Yeah, better than okay. like 480p copy oh, I watched yeah. on Vimeo. Exactly, exactly. Better than the copy of His Motor Record Island I watched for sure. Yeah, like, me too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, very pretty movie, and and yeah, I, I think that what you were saying, uh, Bretton, a little bit about the the balance of tones really stood out to me here. Like, it's a very um, patient movie. Obviously, we should perhaps say that like, this is one of his few other horror movies besides House. I guess there's one or two others, right? There's, I, I think. Um, yeah, I. Oh, I can't remember the name of the one. Drifting Classroom is one, isn't it? Is that there to make that up? Yeah, that's one. That's sort of Drifting Classroom. That's Mm. not a. That's one of his few uh, few stinkers. Yeah, I've heard it's not. I kind of. I'm enamored with that movie a little bit just because it's so bizarre. I feel like if I would have seen that as a child, I would have loved it Mm. because it's and Mm. how terrible it is probably would have uh, wouldn't have mattered. But yeah, seeing it as an adult, it's a. That one's a little rough, uh, but it has some sort of horror elements, and I, I'm forgetting the name of it, but there's one of a, a little girl who starts to like kill some of her family, mm. and it has a horror tone. I could Sc- look that up, I guess. School in the Crosshairs, Girl Who Traveled Through Time, I'm trying to think. There's some, some girls. Yeah, School in Crosshairs is more of a, I think it might be an anime or, or a manga adaptation. Yeah, is it? Um... That's a fun one. Definitely Psychic not a horror. Here in the plot summary, that's something. Um, <laughs> Drifting Classroom is uh, a pretty good manga, if nothing else. A lot of, is lot it? Of, I was wondering through it because not a not a great movie. So a lot of, lot of sort of child death and endangerment in that one. <laughs> Fair one. Yeah, they kept that part. Okay. Uh, yeah, but um, so he he's done a bit of horror, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's. I think is a horror. The aspect the sort of forays into horror maybe a little overblown like in the western imagination because of house yeah. like it's not he did a bit of it it wasn't his main thing but no, um, I mean, it, it's sort of hard to pin down 
his style. Whenever he worked in some sort of genre or form, he seemed to just incorporate it into his sort of style and views mm-hmm. so easily that it's like this movie has horror elements and yet I, I don't really think of it as a horror movie. It doesn't really feel like one until all of a sudden toward the yeah, end. Yeah, um, like one scene. Mm-hmm. There's but some... it really is this sort of structure of a horror film almost from the beginning. I just, in that lens, it seems um, just more of an Obayashi film than a horror film. But Ab- I, gu- I guess absolutely. it is both. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, but I think that's sort of what makes it the horror element compelling, I guess, is just how elegantly it's fused to the to his whole thing i guess we should i imagine for, uh, a lot of people might not end up watching this we should maybe try to to touch on the plot um movies about uh recently divorced television writer hidemi harada who's played by mario mario kazama he's he's sort of you know living a it seems like a kind of a lonely life in his apartment building he's sort of you know saying it's all good it's his choice he's having a good time seems a little sad though a little, and, bit, a little bit dysfunctional. The beginning of the movie. His... I, do, I don't think. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I don't think his, uh, you know, divorced freedom is quite going the way he hoped it would. He seems to mainly work and not sleep. <laughs> it seems to be the two things yeah. he's getting up to. And uh, indeed, the movie almost opens with um, our link, Toshiyuki Nagashima, playing uh, Ichiro Mamiya, sort of a longtime colleague and friend of the main character, saying he they can no longer work together. Because he wants to uh, pursue Harada's ex. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in a very um, sort of non-dramatic, minimally confrontational scene. No, it's just kind of quiet and sad. Like, yeah, um, it just seems a little lonely and sad. Like, like the the life he's leading. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 which is even farther enhanced when the, when the guy leaves and he starts sort of acting out. Uh, what he just <laughs> said in the form of a drama because it's the only way he can process yes. you know interactions between people it, he writes, it, it, uh, writes like it, television <laughs> soaps or whatever yeah yeah J-dramas yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's, it, it's yeah, a very I, particular kind of dysfunction I'm curious I, I don't really get the vibe that he um, he hates the work he's working on because it, it, I think in the film like he's working on these sort of sort of corny mm-hmm. TV dramas they're not they're not really depicted as being like, you know, they're not high art or anything. No. But I don't really get the sense that he's em- embarrassed by the work. He seems very serious about the work. It's Maybe it's not fulfilling, but it's not like it's about him not being fulfilled by the writing. Like, no, yeah. I don't think there's any um, condescension to the work. One of the first moments we, we see of him is him sort of, in some ways, sort of standing up for the integrity of his work, right? Why'd you, why'd you cut the Pacini? Yeah, exactly. yeah. I, I guess I read it more that it's just an, an a venue that he can control kind of thing, because mm. you know he's so wrapped I, up in in a, in the, sort of the, the plagues of his past kind of thing. It's it's sort of a fake, you know, a, a literal fake world. He can mm. he can sort of puppet and choreograph kind of thing, which is what you know ties into him mimicking the guy and all that. And yeah, yeah. He just he just can't seem to deal with you know real human variants or you know unavoidable mistakes or regrets that he has he does seem to have like fundamentally kind of bad interpersonal skills the the next the next scene we get is uh, early on we we hear him observing in in i guess narration that you know there's one other light in the building that's that's on when when he's working at night and sure enough that tenant comes down to introduce herself and she's I mean, she's got a, a pretty funny energy. She's clearly kind of vulnerable and also sort of a weird, f- 
fan, like knows who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is pretty harsh and pretty rude and rebukes her. Mm-hmm. Tells her to, to get the heck out of there, basically. Kind of an asshole. Kind of an asshole. And um, that's our first, I guess, like real, like, you know, so- something's, something's really amiss in that scene, I feel like, when you watch it. There's like um tonally or whatever like it's it's he's so much more actively hostile and unpleasant than what we've seen before in a way that's unexpected or was to me there's something weird about how a lot of those shots are framed too that makes it feel kind of uncomfortable like the Mm. view from inside his apartment with Mm -hmm. her face sort of peeking through the door it really yeah it feels very harsh and rude and kind of yeah uncomfortable like you said but uh things don't yeah absolutely Things don't explicitly turn supernatural until a location scout through some abandoned Tokyo subways. Are there really just like an an assortment of abandoned subways in Tokyo, I wonder? That's what the the guide is saying at the beginning here of this scene. I meant to to look that up. Useful for his job. Yeah, I have no idea if that's actually actually a thing. And that is the next scene, is it not? It is. I I think it immediately goes there. Yeah. Because there's, uh, in that moment, I mean... I mean, we're getting ahead mm-hmm. of myself, no, no, but in, in that scene, it's where, yeah, it starts to very explicitly turn sort of surreal or supernatural. Like there's a, a break in reality mm-hmm. is happening there. And I'm not sure that that's necessarily the first time that that has happened in the movie, but it's the first time it's made explicit. Like he goes mm-hmm. down there to the subway for work as a writer mm-hmm. to scout it. And I, th- I think it's maybe important that it's for his work that his, like as a writer sort of lost in his imagination. Mm-hmm. And then now he sees a train or a light and hears a train mm-hmm. coming in this supposedly abandoned subway and, you know, bounces the hell out of there. It ends up separated from his guides and back in the town he grew up in. I thought of uh, both um, the, the Metro games, Breton, because you, as you know, yeah. I've been playing those. There's a lot of, there's literally some phantom trains in one of those and it looks very similar that it's the train light and no train kind of thing yeah 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 that, um, yeah i do remember that vibe it's but i also I, I think there's there's probably a fair amount of of folkloric sort of influence here and i was reminded a little bit mm. of um the entry into sort of the other world it's spirited away too not to mm. be, you know guys only seen two japanese directors which is not true <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's okay i know but, uh, well, I think you've already had two others on the show. Well, right? that's, so that's that's true, you're up true. to four. That's you're good. That's fair. That's the three, 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 three others. Three? Oh, three? Oh, okay. And we've done more, or as many as Western movies, I guess, at this point. More now. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah Which yeah. is weird, given that we started with John Carter. Yeah, we really <laughs> just sort of noped out of the, the Western blockbusters immediately after that, didn't we? We did. We did do that with the with the you know asterisks initially that we had an easy way back in. I think with, yeah, with yeah. one of them, and then we've we we ventured further. And, but um, but you know the the sort of going into the the tunnel and then emerging into into another world. It also feels a little bit like I, I don't know how much of this is just uh, the the region hands up in is Asuk Asuk and I assume some of this is just potentially how that area looks or whatever but it looks like it's from mm-hmm. a different time in contrast with Tokyo. right we had a lot of historical buildings clearly and sort of yeah i i don't know a lot about uh about the no. city i'm not or that or that region mm-hmm. but um my understanding is that it is relatively well preserved like it's it's mm-hmm. sort of known to be uh yeah the architecture is still sort of standing uh while so much of the rest of um 
you know, Tokyo has changed over generations. So I don't know if that's still true, but I think in the 80s at sure. least, and I think it is still sort of true, but it is a, it has that sort of reputation for being a little bit more traditionally, uh, traditional architecturally. Um, and so we, we, we see him walk wandering, and there's sort of, a, I, I think, certainly a, a very dreamlike energy to a lot of this as he walks through Esu Castle. Mm. We learn later that um, he hasn't been here since he was 12 um, when his parents died in a bicycle crash. And uh, he's, as far as 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 far as the movie sort of implies, he's not been back since then. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, b- but you know, totally normal. He runs into two people that look exactly like his dead parents, and indeed seem to be his dead parents. <laughs> and uh, they have they have some lovely meals. Uh, <laughs> it's I, weird how how like sort of oh I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you. no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I was just gonna say it's 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 pretty funny how gradually the surrealism slips in where mm-hmm. it almost it doesn't explicitly say that he thinks they're literally his parents until a bit later. Like it seems like he just thinks they're sort of lookalikes, but it it becomes quickly acknowledged by all parties involved that they're just actually literally his parents in a way that's never mm-hmm. sort of explicitly commented on by anybody or the, it's never like a, a big stinger moment kind of thing. It, he just sort of becomes to, immersed in the, this weird sort of dream world. And, and there's some great, great stuff as he wanders through Asukasa that starts to set you up for this being sort of an otherworldly place, at least I thought. Right away, for, actually, from, from his first, like, or, or maybe it's his second interaction on the street with, with, with the pimp that comes up to him. And he's yeah. just like, he had a nice smile. He wasn't a bad guy. I like Asukasa Asu because it's still got the good people left. Like, this yeah, is I, a strange I, turn instantly. I made, I made a note about that because in the... Not, again, I'm mm-hmm. constantly getting ahead of myself That's probably. Fine. But this is a movie where he spends a lot of time um, hanging out with his parents that he lost when he was 12 mm-hmm. years old. Sort of getting that getting to know his parents that are about the age he is in the movie. They get to mm-hmm. know who he is as an adult, who he's become. He gets to spend the time. It, it would be very, um, I think like nostalgia plays a big role in this and a lot of his movies. Yes. Definitely. And I think nostalgia, he's not, I don't know that he's like, nostalgia is always complicated. It's informs people uh their view of the world you can't really escape it it can be comforting it can be good but it's also quite toxic and this movie's sort of explicitly about that mm-hmm. but like even in that movie he's he's going to this sort of nice nostalgic place and immediately this guy's saying like uh i think his words want a chick mm-hmm. 18 and passionate and he's like yeah he's, he's, he wasn't a bad guy there's still some good guys left here. That's why he likes this place. Like immediately he's sort of clouded by the nostalgia of this place, even when being confronted by this just horrible person. Mm-hmm. Like it, the the relationship to nostalgia is immediately, I think, sort of cynical here. And then for quite a lot of the movie afterwards, when he keeps revisiting his parents uh, over and over, it's pretty consistently sort of warm. And I think there's a lot of... Um, you know, sentimentality to the nostalgia and it's not really one or the other, but he opens the nostalgia with this kind of horrible man in this very strange attitude of like, he's just completely blind to the fact that this guy, this guy's just, you know, he's just a pimp trying to, you know, hook him up with some like very young woman. 
I, I really liked um, to like right after that he he sort of goes into or, or close after that he goes into the theater where he first sort of sees the guy he at first he just thinks looks like his dad or is stricken mm-hmm. is, is struck by him in the crowd and he watches that sort of vaudeville magic act yeah um, I loved the way this was presented like the the choice to jump cut all of the tricks it was really interesting yeah. I thought. And I really started to, to cue into there being some interesting stuff with um, I, I, what I would read certainly as deliberately uncanny sound design in here, where you get the the sounds. It's almost like when you when you like you, you know strip the music out of a scene in a movie where someone's supposed to be like dancing or something, and like the foley, you can actually hear their like shoes squeaking, things like that. Right, right. There's like this really like heightened foley to the to the magician performing, and then this sort of tinny almost canned like audience reactions um that I, I thought was sort of it instantly jumped out to me there as being uncanny and i noticed a few other cases where i felt like there was maybe some uh, deliberately unnatural adr or things like that with with characters that that it tracks that they would be doing that with as it turned out like later on um i think there's some interesting sound design stuff happening quietly there Oh, yeah, I wasn't super clued into that stuff, unfortunately. I should have been yeah, paying more lot, attention. A lot of the formal things he's doing here are, I mean, if you've only seen some, uh, uh, like House or, I mean, quite a few of his movies are... Uh, he's a pretty formally adventurous guy in general. Yeah, a, a very eclectic, mm-hmm. very uh, so, e- eclectic and eccentric and stylish. Uh, he does have quite a few much more restrained uh movies like um oh it's the the abandoned city is that what i I gotta make sure i get the name of that one right but um that's like a great movie where almost everything is like very locked off still Mm. shots not a lot of this sort of effects going on whereas this one has a much calmer tone to it mm -hmm, visually mm -hmm. for the most part but he still splashes in these all these stylistic touches Mm -hmm. like when the um a scene transition where yeah. The picture just sort of turns into a frame and then shoots off into the distance, like as a just into the blackness, and then you're swiping to a new scene. Mm-hmm. Like these little things, or the audio, or the jump cuts. Like yeah. it's it's such a doubling. There's a lot of uh, like you know double exposure stuff too. A few times, mm-hmm. I thought the 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 shrinking transition actually harkens to to the the thing you were saying, Brenton, about his relationship with his work as being this sort of controlled fantasy escape or like the way he's processing. And even um, he does, I think, is it the last time in the movie potentially, but he does uh, after this first encounter with, with the, with the father, um, the same thing he does in that scene where his friend and colleague sort of dumps him where he, he's like reciting it in the car on the way back. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, it, and, and that, that's to me what that transition read as right is is reality shrinking into this into the little VHS screen that we in, indeed like whoops that's me hitting my mic in, in indeed that we open the movie with right him looking at that little VHS screen. Yeah, right, as the yeah. titles are still playing, right? You get mm-hmm. the uh, you get the screen. Oh, that's good. I hadn't pieced that together because the um, yeah the relationship to his sort of writing and his imagination and control, I think, is very central to the whole thing but that yeah that little stylistic touch i hadn't put that together that uh he makes the images themselves like mm-hmm. yeah these small little um objects like the ones that he's trying to control and then of course the movie keeps going and he starts losing control but 
there's also some clear like uncanny touches in this encounter with the dad that jumped out to me we get the first reference to the the dad having special hands where he's able to grab like extremely cold things unbothered (laughs) yep Um, or even i don't know it happened a couple of times and i mm. think it was usually the mother although also i think the uh, uh, love interest, which we okay. haven't, I guess, yeah. quite gotten to that point in the plot. But That's there's a few times where someone will like hand an object to him, and he, the camera will very sort of slowly uh, follow them handing it off to him. It's like it's very um, almost like it's a commercial, mm-hmm. like it's framed in a very very artificial way. With- the way just the camera will follow objects, like it's a little bit too slow to be natural. And I I, yeah, I was wondering mm-hmm. like why is he why is he doing this? Because the camera is often quite fluid. Mm-hmm in the movie and there's a few times it just seems a little slow and contrived to the point of being yeah kind of canny um yeah i guess i guess we should we should start talking about the the other subplot here because this is about when we introduce it which is of course the the other the the other person who's staying up late in the apartment the the woman k as she goes by says she likes Mm -hmm. to go by just the sort of westernized letter because she thinks it's more modern um Sure. He, yeah, yeah, he uh, he actually he comes home drunk. She was sort of tipsy yeah, the first yeah. encounter, and um, they end up sort of striking up a relationship that we and they then sort of spend the time of the movie w- with a few detours right there, sort of fifty fifty, more or less. We go back and forth between the parents and Kay. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. K at first seeming like the real world he's going back to. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I wasn't prepared for the movie to flip itself thematically like that towards the end or complicate itself. I, I, I really, I, I mean, I was, I was totally okay with the parents just ending up being, you know, zombies or ghosts or whatever, mm-hmm. and this just being a sort of purging ritual. Uh, uh, you know, an arc he has to go through in order to to move on. I, I wasn't prepared for the for the mix up. I gotta say, I didn't see that coming, but I like it more in retrospect. I think they throw enough sort of other oddities at you with the K stuff where she's Mm -hmm. disfigured from this burn on her chest, which Mm -hmm. I guess, is she disfigured from the burn on her chest or is that just, spoiler alert, the wounds from the cheese knife where she killed herself? Yeah, presumably. Doesn't doesn't she show them? I think they're like sort of gouges. And uh, she makes a point that, you know, can only do it from behind. That's that's, yeah. a, that's a plot point of this movie, which I which made me laugh a little. I was unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty um, quick. It's up, revisited frequently. It is. It yeah. is. Yeah. There's a lot of ass in this movie. A lot of a uh, lot of a lot of the main characters ass. I was like, huh. I guess, I guess one thing. his motorbike her island has yeah, a little his that motorbike around. Yeah, he's he's happy to show yeah. show the ass of any of his actors. Um. Well, there you which go. more people should be? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, well, it's just like he's this sort of, you know, forty-ish-year-old writer, yeah. and then he's just like, yeah, let's just put him naked on the bed and yeah, yeah, yeah. show his whole ass, Why and not? it's just sort of, but but <laughs> that, it, it's it, real. <laughs> it is real, but I like that writer, the camera right? though. He's constantly like, I th- I think there's a sensuality to the images. Like mm-hmm. he's, I don't know that this man is supposed to be. Uh, particularly beautiful in the movie i don't think that's part of the character but he still shoots his like he films his body in a very kind of loving it's very um, intimate feeling in a way yeah, that's, intimate. that's I, very nice yeah yeah i think he uh, like gives him a lot a chance to be sort of beautiful and vulnerable and almost dignified maybe in the way that the love scenes and just them being kind of 
mostly naked around the apartment. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's really level. Like, it l- lulls you into this, um, into the romance of their situation so quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't really spend that many scenes with them getting no. to know each other. Really, they hook up. They do it from behind quite a few times. But just, I think the way that it's sort of framed and lit, like the sensuality of their relationship. I don't. It, it, to me, I thought it was like pretty touching and. It, yeah, very gripping, like immediately. Yeah, there's a couple of really, I, th- I thought, like important things that pop up with the with the K plot right from the beginning. Of course, uh, when she first appears, she she quotes his writing at him, uh, yeah. which is which is, I mean, so clearly, like you you could take it as a a statement of one of Obayashi's sort of overwhelmingly concerned concerning themes, like one of his focus focuses throughout every movie of his I've seen. Certainly, I feel like. Uh, they say you can't bring back the past, but that's not true. You can if you want, because it's your past. It's part of you, and it's never lost. And um, yeah. he says he does not remember writing that, which is very funny <laughs> to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, the, she, I think she names drops uh, Puccini as well. She's humming the mm. the song. It's um, it's from yes. the opera Gianni Shichi, Gianni Shichi, which I don't super know. Gianni Shichi, but yeah, it's a very famous. Um, uh, it's like one of Puccini's most famous songs, I guess. Sort of just a, a libretto from from uh, Gianni Shichi, Shichi called um, "O Mia Babino Caro." So that opera, I looked it up, is um, uh, inspired by a, 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 a small portion of uh, Dante's Divine Comedy, I believe. Uh, it's about yeah. a guy in his deathbed who um, is leaving a will, and there's some shenanigans around who's going to get the money that ends with with like a a crime that is 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 sort of committed like someone you know i i forget exactly what it was forges the will or you know does something to ensure Mm -hmm. that that the chips fall a certain way knowing sort of that they're gonna they're gonna go to hell for for this act or whatever but it's interestingly yeah i I wondered if there was like a clear thematic thing there i'm not sure but interesting but yeah, K. So K. Sight quotes him at him. They have two sort of awkward interactions first, where you know one's drunk and the other's drunk. Um, and again, the first one has that has that much darker tone, and then it it lightens up in the second one, which is you know perhaps a sign of things to come. And their first real date, she, she does bring a cheese platter over, which I I very innocently noted down, being like, "Ooh, goat cheese with charcoal ash. I've eaten that. That's good. I need that right now." Yeah, yeah, um, you could have some of that. Yeah, it wouldn't yeah. be all. And and yeah. and, cer- and certainly, I think that's one of those objects that uh, the camera lingers on a little bit. Is that cheese platter and that cheese knife? <laughs> yeah, Which, I mean, I just... yeah. It's it's foreshadowing, but he's also luring you in with exactly. all of your senses. You no, know, yeah, it's yeah. just a, a full sensory film. I totally took it at face value initially. You know, like oh yeah, seems nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That 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 was, that was kind of me with those opening scenes and. Ak- what is it called? Mm-hmm. Akusuka yeah. or something oh, like so that? it's so pretty, too. Like, yeah, the I, sun I, all low and dusky and the nighttime lights and stuff. It's so pretty. Though. I didn't realize how far I was going into the dream world, I mm-hmm. guess. I was just okay with sort of minimal plot, him wandering around looking at stores or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it was dreamlike in a filmic sense that I appreciated. Um, on that first date, she brings up, you, you know, they, they basically go straight to bone in that night. She brings up the the... The disf- mm-hmm. her disfigurement um, and she specifically cites <laughs> vaguely like oh you know mythology so you know you shouldn't look at me uh, which yeah. is a bit of a like Melisine thing um, mm-hmm. I expected that to sort of rear up 
uh, in a not the way that it did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wasn't sure. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I didn't see the stuff with her coming, considering that I thought that there had to be some sort of payoff with mm-hmm. her. You know, when she talks about the mythology and all that, you know, something supernatural, but perhaps. It's, it's, I don't know. It certainly starts to present as a as a dichotomy, right? Where you're getting right. um, the, the, these these really pleasant, um, you know, on the face of it. Although there's some there's some undertones in some of the scenes with the parents that are in, interesting. But we get you know these sort of day visits to spend time with the parents, and then these mm-hmm. nighttime encounters with Kay, where she's. She sort of starts to plead with him to to cut it off, and, and as his health seems to decline in a slightly supernatural way. Mm-hmm. What's your What's your teeth start falling out? You've gone too far along whatever life path you've taken. I feel like, like yeah. spontaneously falling out like that. That's got to be. <laughs> yeah, something's up. I think that's not a normal course of events. Usually, it's a pretty clear red flag. Oh, one one thing actually, one scene we missed because I was just yeah, thinking yeah. the first time the the deterioration of his health starts mm-hmm. or people notice is actually at work and mm-hmm. he seems happier than ever. I mean, he's still kind of riding the high, like he's getting to spend time with his parents. He's got this new girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Couldn't be happier. The friend who's now has by that point started to see his ex is concerned for him. And I think he kind of brushes off the concern. He's like, yeah, what do you care? You're you know, with my ex. I'm not going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but in an early scene, I think the first time we go to his office, I think it's worth pointing out that there's, uh, I don't, this scene, I don't know. It it mm. does feel a little tacked on, but I don't care because it's so, just so wonderful. The um, sort of auditioning process. And then in the background, you just see uh, uh, Takahashi Yukihiro from Yellow Magic Orchestra. There's just three shots of him where he like tries on a hat. <laughs> Like he's getting yes. ready for a performance yeah. and then he just takes off a hat and then he, th- later there's another shot of him looking like with a different hat and then the movie moves on and you don't ever see him again. I just love that so much. Like just the the playfulness of mm-hmm. he just tries on a couple of hats and then bounces. Uh, he might have one line, but uh, yeah, I just a great cameo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a yeah. Glad that you remember to check that out. Sh- shouldn't go uncommented on the little, little yellow, yellow yeah. magic orchestra appearance. It's great. Any anytime one of the naughty boys shows up in a movie, you just you gotta take yeah, yeah. gotta take note. But yeah, then I think the next time you see him actually at his workplace is when they start commenting on his mm-hmm. sort of deteriorating health, which he's totally oblivious. To. And they're there, they're giving him some sort of eye bags and stuff. But there's some there's some stuff later on where you're seeing a version of him that is how he sees himself basically and is different from what other people are seeing and and quite a quite a striking scene where you get that sort of you know the flash and the reveal and the reflection on uh, i forget what household object it is not a mirror i feel like it's something no it's something something metallic yeah what is it like the back of a clock or something yeah 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 i think so yeah yeah. yeah. but my brain kept saying toaster but i'm like that doesn't make sense it's they're in they're in bed (laughs) be a terrible spot that sort of bed chrome toaster vibe yeah yeah did so the the you know these subsequent encounters with the parents i think there's some interesting you know he he obviously has started to realize that something's up and like like joe like you alluded to earlier with from that first scene like basically after he goes back to their place and sees that that's not not only does this guy look like his dad but he's going home to see someone who looks like his mom he seems to pretty much buy in and they just start 
talking to him like they're his parents. And everyone just quietly seems aware of the situation, mm-hmm. that he's older and that they're not and that they're dead, which is interesting. None of them really talk about it, but they all will make these comments here and there uh, that, that make it clear that everyone's sort of aware of the deal here. Yeah, yeah. It yeah, seems very, I, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just saying, you, you had alluded to that earlier, just the... Um, there's no big twist reveal. It's no. just sort of, it seems pretty clear early on. Like he has his suspicions, like it's odd. And then just sort of matter of factly, like the, the father who he meets first at mm-hmm. the, um, at the magic show, uh, he just, he, he knows right away and he just, everybody just kind of goes along with it. And he sort of clues in that, Oh, I think this is actually real. And there's no big aha moment. He just sort of, buys into it and so do we it, and it, it's interesting how it just sort of eases in and then the uh after the sort of bigger twist reveal that his he's you know physically mm-hmm. falling apart like this for some reason it's like this toxic thing being around these ghosts or zombies mm-hmm. that he's sort of turning into a zombie himself but by that point as soon as you go back with the parents he's still eased right back in mm-hmm. and there's no big um even after he reveals that it's killing him again it's it's such a um sort of quiet and calm uh resolution that they come up with Mm -hmm. the 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 the, one of the moments that really jumped out at me was just his dad saying if we were still alive he would have turned out smarter yeah Yeah. (laughs) that was one of the first times that i noticed them like saying they were dead basically what a what a yeah that that must be the first time yeah what a line um yeah there's a lot of stuff here around food which is interesting or or stood out to me for for one thing it it conjures to mind some more of the sort of folkloric mythic stuff right where like there's there's often in a lot of in a lot of fairy tales or myths or whatever, there's some danger to eating food from other realms, other realities, kind of thing. But there was something interesting here. There's a lot of stuff around, like the homemade ice cream. Yeah, them cooking, I thought that too. Them not going yeah, out. Yeah. yeah, I was wondering if the, if the food itself was the thing that was deteriorating him. Yeah, like yeah. it was a more physical malady. Like there were zombies, mm. or you know. But by the way, the other title of this movie is the, "My Summer Among the Zombies." Pretty ah, good. Well. I guess yeah, I was right. The more literal translation. I think so. I think it's it's that's, based off a novel. That's what Wikipedia too. told me. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I wasn't. Did he eat the food that the mother had made though? Because she makes a comment toward the end of the movie, where she says, like, she laments that she didn't get to cook for just him. Just wanted, yeah, wanted yeah. to cook for him, and and I wasn't sure. I like think, in my head, he'd had the ice cream. He'd I think he'd mm, had the drinks. She I mean, he makes, got drunk with them. She makes the ice cream and she serves them drinks, but I think that they in the other scenes where they eat the dad might cook once or twice Ye- i think there was some uh, some stuff in the dialogue about prep. who was cooking yeah. um he, he explicitly said he had already eaten once or twice mm, and then would mm-hmm. have a drink or something mm-hmm. and I, i'm not sure that he does ever maybe eat. I, I maybe yeah should go back to it but it, they, he, he, he definitely eat the meal he definitely tastes the ice cream i think because he comments on it and we see him yeah. eat it because uh, oh yeah he like gobbles ice cream so creamy yeah and indeed it's yeah. one of the last images of the movie is that ice cream bowl um you know mm-hmm. m- maybe he is still linked as a result of that who, who could say um yeah. and and th- the dad is a chef also right um he they excuse his ability to handle incredibly cold things by pointing out that he's a sushi chef 
and so is practice at you know cold fish and not melting rice (laughs) yeah exactly well i mean i I worked as a cook for a few years and your your hands do get pretty uh pretty beat up and like that's true hot pans and hot water and all that stuff you just kind of they stop feeling things for a while was there any specific food that jumped out as anyone at anyone i well i already mentioned that that goat cheese but that when they when they go out for their final meal they go out for their sukiyaki um those those eel skewers they pregame with those were calling to me those look so good <laughs> oh yeah yeah i love a good skewer i love unagi yeah, too like yeah ugh. I mean, honestly, you put pretty much any food, and you, you like you photograph it so beautifully, True. like that kind of warm, late in the day, sun's kind of low, going down. Yeah, this movie like loves that. Beautiful, that. beautiful, beautiful it's good light. every time. Yeah. Oh, exactly. You, you put any food in there, I'm like that. That just looks so, so beautiful and appealing. So, I, nothing in particular, but yeah, those skewers, those were looking good, and that ice cream. Mm. I've tried making ice cream before, and like it turned out okay. But I just, you know, you just knew it was going to be the best ice cream. Oh, yeah. I should make ice cream again this summer. I should. It's a real pain in the ass, but uh, it's good. I have a machine. Uh, My problem is I is I can't eat cow's milk, which makes it a real Uh, pain in the ass. Um, But I think I found a place I can source sheep's milk, which might just solve that problem for me. Anyway, (laughs) digression. Um, The uh, so, yeah, he. To get back a little bit to the plot, well, so we can talk maybe about the climax. Um, yeah, it, it's hard to talk about the earlier parts of the mm-hmm. movie because they're all so tied into the ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's it's a very patient movie in general. You know, it's um, mm-hmm. it has a especially compared to something like House, obviously, but even his motorbike Kerr Island. You know, there's more you know events per per moment or whatever right like it's just like a little more happening this movie is very tonal and patient in its build um in a way yeah, that i think is rewarding yeah oh, I like absolutely he's he, he done that sort of a few times i mean mm-hmm. he's not a he's never a slow slow filmmaker but the deserted city which i maybe mistitled earlier uh that is definitely a very slow, patient mm. movie that rewards you to a certain extent. Bound for the Fields is, um, I mean, Hanagatami not, to some degree. Uh, it's long, yeah. I mean, but. yeah, they're quite long or labyrinths of mm. cinema. Like, he, he, yes. he does play with that, but mm. I think, um, this one to me is the pacing is generally like there's always stuff happening, it moves yeah, pretty well, but you still really get to live in the moments, especially with the parents. Like, you, mm-hmm. you need to feel like feel that summer heat feel that sun yeah mm-hmm. it's to really capture that that feeling of nostalgia of memory that he's going for right you really need those those tonal details and that, that yeah that time but um yeah so after we get a little bit of this push and pull the increasing concern from k eventually there's this moment where k professes her love and then for that sort of forces him to confront the state he's actually in which is full prosthetic zombie makeup like degraded he's looking bad that, yeah that's where the sort of horror film really starts to kick in um, is he's he's yeah big zombie face at that point and, and then of course he goes to say goodbye to the parents to eat that sukiyaki out brett and i saw you mention on twitter that like this really jumped out to you this sort of dinner scene at the end here yeah yeah i like it i, I, I yeah i just like the, the the sort of patience of it st- slowly building up to the sort of emotional I don't want to say fireworks because it's still a, a, a relatively subtly played moment, mm-hmm. but the sort of a, 
emotional resonance at the end like the it almost feels like i the lighting makes it feels like the sun's about to set like the sun's setting as they're talking or Mm -hmm. you know you know it suggests endings and sort of departures even though it might not that might not necessarily be the case i don't know if my rip was high enough quality to determine that but uh, but i also just liked too as he starts to sort of break down emotionally and there's this back and forth shot reverse that you sort of slowly begin to clue into the fact that they're disappearing but Mm -hmm. it's sort of from the elbows up so you can't quite you might not get it yet mm-hmm. or, or get it right away i should say it might like slowly dawn on you in the same way as that the, the 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 moments sort of slowly dawning on him i thought thought it was all sort of cohesive formally mm-hmm. and and in terms of content in a way that i found really nice probably the highlight for me and and that leads us into the the big the big turn the the reveal that that what we've actually been watching has not been a dichotomy. He hasn't been slowly succumbing to, you know, nostalgia mm-hmm. from from what end. He's also being being haunted by a past deed, kind of literally, at the other end. And uh, we we get that when uh, Ichiro, that's uh, Toshiyuki Nagashima's character, the, his coworker, goes to visit Harada and talks to the landlord and finds out that Kay killed herself a month ago. And uh, he goes up to to confront Harada to see what's going on and finds mm-hmm. him being embraced by her. And then all hell kind of breaks loose for, for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah two There's the fireworks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, two banger scenes back-to-back of wildly different tones. Mm-hmm. Still <laughs> matched together perfectly. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's amazing how well he uh, coheres those two moments. I mean the with the parents are disappearing like it plays in so so slowly they mm-hmm. fade so slowly that yeah it might not dawn on you immediately and then once it does you still have to stay in that moment for so long and it just oh it's just so heartbreaking as mm-hmm. the the sun sets and the the sort of warmth of the lighting disappears slowly and like you really have to live in that moment in a uh for quite a long time then all of a sudden you're here in this sort of ghost scene and it just ramps it up to just like you find out she's a ghost she's like absolutely horrifying looking with this mm-hmm. sort of uh with her white dress and the blackness like very very sort of spooky imagery and then her movement this sort of stuttering frame effect that's happening and yes. then of course she re- finally shows her chest like the wound is like the knife wounds which then start spraying just Ugh. you know evil dead amounts of blood all <laughs> yeah. over the place and, and like it, it couldn't be played bigger. No. And yet it absolutely makes sense that this scene would follow this really sort of somber, quiet, long scene with his parents. Like, I don't know how Obayashi does that, both in this movie and in so many others where he's such a, um, he can take so many different extremes. He can be so eclectic and yet it all just sort of makes sense as a whole to me. Mm-hmm. And I think those two, like back-to-back scenes, are maybe the mm-hmm. biggest example of that in, in in his films that I've seen. Yeah, it is certainly quite quite the contrast. But again, also just feels it, it all coheres, right? He, you know, the, the saying goodbye to the parents is presented as something that should be sad, but sort of, you know, the triumph, the success of the movie. But of course, we learned that he's not, you know, he's not completely free of the past yet. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, what a what a scene, God you know you probably shouldn't commit suicide via stabbing yourself in in general but a cheese (laughs) knife is such a gnarly choice that 
Oh my god. <laughs> That's not a good pick. It's not a good tool for that job. That's rough. <laughs> yeah, but that also kind of leads into how... I think there are kind of two big questions after the, the joint ending. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is sort of a, a, a final scene after mm-hmm. this that Dakota. we could talk. Yeah, we could talk about a mm-hmm. bit later. But um, the two big questions are, as he's deteriorating, because uh, everybody notices not just these ghosts that he's mm-hmm. around. So clearly this has slipped into his reality. But like how much of this uh, is this sort of projection of his and mm-hmm. who, who is the the more toxic element is it, it the parents is it the uh the lover is it both i think it's i, I think it seems like it should be both in the mm-hmm. film like it it, it 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 very explicitly like she's basically a, a horrible demon in the end mm-hmm. where you think that might be the more you know clearly violent you know blood-soaked ending that's where that the sort of horror elements like that is very much a horror scene. We have the horror makeup where he's starting to look like a zombie, which he only ever really looks like that. We only ever see him looking like that with her. When he goes with his parents, he's you know, he looks tired, but he's you know a normal looking guy. Still, no one seems to know in that scene that he looks horrible. So it could be that it's just her, but the way the parents react to him talking about it, it seems like they understand as well that they can't be there because it's not good for him. So it, I think it's probably implying that both of them are really what's poisoning him, which is, I think a more interesting relationship to sort of nostalgia in the past that it's the, um, and I'm not sure is, I guess you'd mentioned that she was a, like a past deed because she had killed herself after. I, I suppose. Yeah. His, his being mean to her, but I, I took that as more of like the, his present situation mm. being toxic as well uh, mm-hmm. because of his present romance. But I suppose there is a sort of a past element because it was, it is after he, he's just so rude to mm-hmm. her, but I, it didn't seem likely that that alone is why she had killed herself. I don't know that he's, she, she clearly seems to be sort of vulnerable and, uh, you yeah. know, for lack of a better word, unstable or something when, when she first appears, mm-hmm. but there's some yeah. interesting mirroring here in, in like language between these scenes where, um, and some interesting focus sort of scattered throughout that, that seems like it coalesces here uh, about the sort of question of is Harada a good guy even that I think yeah. is is linked to all this we get um, in that final dinner scene the the father says that he was neither a good husband nor a good father and they, one of the last things they say to him is don't be too hard on yourself you had to pay the bills who doesn't look after themselves and then they, you know, say, take care. In fact, the, the mother's last line is take care of yourself with sort of a pause in between there. And then we go from there to, you know, this ghost of a woman. He was sort of selfishly rude to haunting him. But then also she sends off with a very similar sort of echoing of, you know, farewell, forget about me, live, you still have time, save yourself. There's some really, there's something going on there, I think. In, in this movie's thematic yeah. concerns that I'm not sure I have like the 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 crystalline answer to but I I, th- I thought I would point it out I think there's there's some there's some stuff there in the relationship of the nostalgia and you know this the, the, the whole case stuff to to this fundamental question of is Harada a good person even that I thought was interesting yeah and mm-hmm. I think the um the two things I guess he's 
his attempt, I think, to be a better person, which is when up to this entire point, you haven't seen his wife or his child, which you almost never hear mm-hmm. about. Like he's, it, it was sort of a surprise partway through where he talks about how he ha- he has children mm-hmm. or a son, uh, and then in the the sort of in the ending, yeah. you see him in a hospital and his son's visiting him, and he's kind of disinterested, but he he's you know talks about his parents who has died, which is when his son is more interested, but clearly he's being in the present that's that's what's important to him is him being a father so that he can be there for his son so mm-hmm. that i don't know if he's a good person or not but he wants to help his son be a better person like his dad it's not his fault that he wasn't there but if he was around he would have been a little smarter mm. as he said like yeah. <laughs> the 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 important thing for not just his son but for himself to be a better person i guess is to be there for his son and um and like he you know, forgives his friend with his ex and they sort of reconcile and like all this negativity kinds of goes away. And the first time I saw the movie, I thought this maybe felt a little sort of tacked on. Like it didn't, um, after these, yeah, those two mm-hmm. like banger scenes of the parents and then the, the ghost and the blood and everything, it, this felt a little too, um, a little too sweet. But the second time around, and it's like maybe just like my kids are getting a little older that, to me, I felt that felt um, like really quite moving and honest. Like mm-hmm. he's, he, he really just needs to be here now. Like he wasn't with his. I think he wanted to be independent and selfish. Mm-hmm. He left his wife. He seemed to practically abandon his son. We never mm-hmm. see him. Yeah. Uh, and then after all of this, he gets, he sort of purges himself from his past. Mm-hmm. He sort of purges himself of this. I guess guilt and but also and I I think there's a certain element about his work with her too because at the beginning he's all about his writing Mm -hmm. the break from reality happens while he's working Mm -hmm. while he's writing and she comes to him and talks to him about his writing Mm -hmm. she's obsessed with his writing she talks about you know Puccini she's Mm -hmm. she couldn't be more she's a fan um, she's like a a she's a fan in a in a way but like this fantasy Mm -hmm. of like beautiful woman comes to you at night she's a huge fan she knows mm-hmm. everything about your work you're just upset about this music getting changed and here she is talking about the music or humming the music well, like we didn't she's point she's out, a fantasy as well he gets called out for using that song all the time by his co-worker yeah. Yeah. and indeed it plays yeah. right over over one of the the big climactic scenes the one with k yeah yeah, uh, the, yeah oh the goose. god that is so good it's that, great. That, yeah oh, it's such a beautiful music scene like just not a not an obvious choice of tone but yeah just yeah no it's i think that's part of maybe what sells the um the visual horror Mm -hmm. of the sequence with that music the kind of i don't not irony but certainly the contrast of playing those two things together Mm -hmm. i think maybe is partly what gels it so well with the rest of the film where the extremeness uh just feels like emotionally explosive and not just Mm -hmm. like sort of viscerally shocking uh, that last scene made me want a Sapporo, which is neither here nor there. But you're talking about those linger- <laughs> lingering shots of hands yeah, and objects. Sapporo's, Brendan, we're gonna go to a sushi place next time you you come here. We'll get some Sapporo. Right, we'll yeah. eat some sushi. We'll, get, we'll go grab some. Go um, get some skewers. Get some eels. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The, 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 there's a high end sushi place here that does the best unagi don I've like had in the city by a, by mm. a country mile. It's so good. Um, but yeah what's that's, that's a can those can't like an 80s oh, can yeah. with that 80s obayashi like image making like yeah, yeah. you see that and like right away i'm just such a sucker for it I'm like um, you just you just want to crack one of those things up i thought i thought the one of the last shots other than the sort of the, that sort of black and white 
um, zoom out with the snippets of the parents that, that it's at the very end. One of the last shots is that shot of the incense he burns for the dead. Having burnt out, um, there's like a little a little insect crawling by. Uh, I thought that was a, mm. a really lovely final shot to sort of, you know, visually sum up, you know, being done with these past memories or whatever, trying to move on. But also this yeah. the, the, the little creeping life in the shot. I I appreciate it. That was that was nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah confronting like, the yeah. empty lot and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And just like I guess like in a sort of obvious way, just a a healthier relationship to your past well, and exactly. to your sort of regrets and your loss. Uh, yeah, and and to to his fantasy because that's sort of what I was getting at. Like he, mm-hmm. how much of this? I don't know that it's played as like oh it's all in his head like he believes that he really like i think he explicitly says that he really believes that he spent his summer with his parents yes and we get that shot where the where the ice cream bowl sort of fades in and out of view over the grass as he's as he yes yeah 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 exactly but it's like that part is i think easier to imagine as being purely in his head like he's just traveling with the 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 sort of ghosts in his mind whereas i think she's like I don't like to make it kind of like a riddle and you sort of solve like this thing has to mean this no, no. thing like I, I think the movie's a little bit um, messier than that and better for mm-hmm. it but Most I think there's are. at least she's a she's a projection as well she's a mm-hmm. projection of like her ghost is not just like the sin that he's done of being mean to her but his obsession with his work mm-hmm. like she comes to him and, and maybe as, as if a character in one of his one of his shows. Yes, yeah. and of course it is own like his ego and self obsession. But like that mm-hmm. part plays so melodramatically, like the stuff mm-hmm. that he works on. Yeah, that's a good like call. it feels like his work life and his romantic life there have kind of become a representation of his present unhealthiness. He's probably sexually frustrated. He's lonely because he mm-hmm. left his wife to mm-hmm. have this kind of freedom, and all he does is not sleep and work. And then this, the other, and like this, it like perpetual night mm-hmm. in like and, his and apartment building, which too. is also an office raining. building. Yeah, it's oh. always raining, and, and it's just such a such a bleak looking. Like he he's got the one of two apartments in an office building mm-hmm. by like a freeway. Like you only ever see it from that one angle. Like this just seems like the most sort of mm-hmm. bland. Um, architecture you could possibly have contrasting it with this like like it really feels like summer it's Mm -hmm. beautiful warm golden light with his uh with his parents they're always stripping down indoors from the heat they're (laughs) always taking his clothes off. yeah there's there's some there's some there's some there's some stuff there that like question mark like there's there's a whole element yeah from freudian yeah i think that you could you could do a read there's that scene where he like is standing on his mom's back and takes a tumble I was like, hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they don't linger on it no, long. It's, it's, it's no. very, it's long very enough quiet. to make it You're obvious. Like, there's something like, weird happening. Yeah, I was wondering. Yeah. I didn't know like where this movie was going to go. No, how maybe textual either. that was going to get. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I had the same thought. Like, where is that going? Um, yeah, it's yeah. it's in there long enough that you can't miss mm-hmm. it. But he doesn't take it anywhere. It's no. like, here, just think about this a little bit. This is just in his relationship mm-hmm. with his mother. But because also he didn't. He he was too young to have this that sort of Freudian relationship to his mother. Like she was taken from. Like he didn't even get to have that. And now he's their age, right? Like the other yeah. uncle. Very strange. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that is as as 
as lovely a summation of this movie's whole deal as as we're gonna muster breton i listened back to one of our episodes Mm -hmm. and i i re-unearthed my attempts at giving us outro bits so are you ready what what was it you ready sure yeah, yeah. For, the, first of all, the questions we ask every time <laughs> that I definitely have remembered every episode. Of course. Um, d- d- I mean, this one I think we're going to have a long, rousing discussion about, which is, do you think they talked about this movie while making John Carter? Do you think this one came up? <laughs> <laughs> like the, 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 the in-production at the time, John Carter? Yeah, no. Like, uh, moving yeah, on. Probably not. Probably uh, not, no. The... the the next question, the ob- the next question that we started doing that we were kind of excited about and then promptly abandoned. If you had to rate the things we've watched so far down this path, oh gosh! So you'd have to remind me of what they all do, are. Do you want me to hit you with mine and then I'll? Okay, you do yours. Sure. You do yours. Um, it's got to be. I'd have to watch this one again for it to like take the top spot. I think um, because there is so much there to to wrestle with. So I think it's got to be Last Temptation. Then the Discarnates, mm-hmm. then probably Gamera to Zerum mm-hmm. uh, or Sweet Home. A bit of a coin flip. I think maybe Zerum, then Sweet Home, then I guess Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> like huge pause. Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess John Carter and then Doom in that order. That's okay, so that's seven, seven films, mm-hmm. seven flicks. I think we watched. Yeah, mine would be. Yeah, mine be la- would be Last Temptation, this, Sweet Home, Gamera Two, uh, Zayrim. So then it's the bat, the bad ones, <laughs> the bad right? the ones, baddies, the, the trio <laughs> of baddies. So then it'd be, it'd be fucking, it'd be John Carter, m- Maximum Overdrive, Doom. Yeah, that seems that seems in keeping with with your your takes on yeah. those ones we had yeah. i had i had a sl- the ever so slightly higher opinion of maximum overdrive than you i don't know i don't know why i mean it has one good scene I guess. it has it has yeah good scene i i just i'd uh, yeah uh, john carter is so sleepy um it's maybe more interesting on it well actually no, john carter is kind of interesting on a meta level as mm-hmm. well just like it's ridiculous production mm-hmm. but I, maximum overdrive and that's like its only appeal as well as like this odd Stephen King movie. So there's a scene they're kind of they're both bad and yeah. also both interesting in a very similar. And they're both kind of boring movie. too. It's just that Maximum yeah. Overdrive, a guy gets killed by a vending machine, and that's at least funny. John Carter, no one dies from a vending machine. But John Carter has aliens in it. Though. It's also that, uh, over two hours man. long, which I think is yeah. the exact thing I brought up last time we had this. It's yeah, yeah. Let's let's not rehash that debate. I feel like we've had that debate. <laughs> this. I feel like I edited this. Edited this exact recently. Yeah, today. probably. Yeah. Um, but uh, the other the other classic ending question is 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 for you, Breton. Have we gone too far? Do we need to reset and and venture on a, down a different path? I think we should switch countries, and and not that's not anything against Japanese cinema. Yeah, okay. I watch, I watch it decently. You frequently. can get I'm stuck just... there for a while, though, mm-hmm. right? Like you get into mm-hmm. the credits, and you know it's a a lot of Japanese people working on Japanese films, which leads you to like mm-hmm. you can find some outs, but you'll have fewer of. Them. Weirdly, some of the some of the big one of the big ones that's come up a few times as a potential out is uh, silence. Right, a lot oh, of, yeah, yeah. like yeah. some yeah. stuff like yeah. that with like these these American movies with with Japanese cast because then you can do like production credits. But uh, mm-hmm. do okay. So should we do that by by 
resetting back to John Carter. And I think we joked that we'd rewatch John Carter when we did that. And I'm just going to go ahead and say that we don't have to do that. We can just go back to the I, credits we, of John Carter. We don't have to do that. It's funny, but I don't want to watch John Carter again, friend. I think yeah, I mean, I think it has to be your punishment if oh, you, you fucked up. Okay. If you oh, if you get, far, I like that idea. I like that. Idea. Over, I mean, right, that, yeah. that, that this you was our pitch. I, I don't disagree. I, I think that's a good take. Yeah, it, like if we find ourselves boxed in or we give in, you know, okay. then we have so, to. So we have to tank the. So is the rule that you and I off off air now will take a look at the credits of Discarded, see if we can jump to another country or work our way back to another country in like less than two movies. And if not, we reset or something. Okay. I want to try to call ahead, but I'm going to do that in episode descriptions, I think going forward too. So that Mm -hmm. if people want to want to watch before the app comes out, they'll have some warning Uh, because I, uh, that way I I don't have to keep fielding texts that are, what are you, what are you talking about next? Which is a fair question if you're trying to follow (laughs) along. Um, But yeah, those are our, our classic ending bits that I'm sure to always remember. Um, And I think that's been probably the podcast. Uh, Thank you both. For, I'd say so. Can I yeah. can I have just two quick notes on the movie that I was? Uh, yes. I thought hit, hit me, I know you, you guys are, are big gamers, so this will be less of a, a stupid thing mm-hmm. to say, but still a little bit of a stupid thing to say. The music when he's with his family, mm. big Final Fantasy VII vibes for me. Mm. I when I heard that, I thought I'm like that's that exact same sort of sweet, mm. sort of romantic, nostalgic vibe. That I, I would get from specifically Final Fantasy. You, you know how on Twitter you were like, "What do you mean you've never played a Zelda?" Well, uh, let me oh, no. l- let me tell you what Final Fantasy game I've played. The first thirty minutes of the Dirge of Cerebus. Jesus Damn. Christ, man! What? What a, what a poll. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't say that with I mean, pride. Good call it's just only true. playing the first thirty minutes of Dirge of Cerebus. Yeah, even as I don't know, twelve spent more or than whatever. That on some of the other ones. <laughs> oh my gosh! Listen. Oh yeah, god. Yeah. Well, okay. So maybe mean, less though? of a yeah, maybe less of a, a good poll. And I, I just specifically want to call out the um, like I tweeted about it already, mm. but the 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 actor who plays the father. Oh yeah. I, apparently, he won some awards for that performance, but like. I'd like the, the the his deceased father, because um, mm-hmm. you know I guess he's a father as well. But just his something that um, something Obayashi does so well is like certain characters you might not spend a lot of time with them, mm-hmm. but they just seem to be so fully um, like slightly exaggerated and yet completely human. Like with him, mm-hmm. he sort of bounces in a carefree way that almost feels exaggerated. Like he's he's such a perfect. Just like a perfect man of like takes things in stride. He's clearly been through some shit, but he's you know never literally lets him get it down, get him down. But like this immediate sort of contrast of being sort of you know the way he moves his body, he kind of swings his arms, uh, mm. and yet his face is always very very serious. Like his body is very sort of carefree, and his face is very serious. And it, immediately in that first scene, the way he sort of jogs to go get a beer from a vending machine or something. I just, you know who he is mm-hmm. right away. And I mean, that actor in particular, I think, is just gives a phenomenal performance. It's like the best performance in the film for me. But so many of the characters in his movies, they he just has such a knack for um, letting you know who this character is mm-hmm. in, in seconds. You know, like he just, and so, and same thing with like his locations, the way, I mean, Obayashi films, like so many of them take place in the summer, but he's so good with location, you'll immediately just get a sense of where this place is. And the more you explore it, it starts to feel 
like a place you know very very quickly like going back to the neighborhood and the apartment with his parents it's like the third time you go it's like you're going home like he's just so good at establishing all that stuff so quickly and i i just wanted to point that out before the uh for the end of the show because i think this one in particular he does that very very well but also i i mean most of his movies that i've seen uh those are two things that i i don't see I mean his the his sense of location. I definitely see people praise that pretty often, but mm-hmm. I think he gets a lot of great performances out of people, and it's uh, maybe a little less discussed. But uh, yeah, some some great performances in this one. Again, just slightly exaggerated, mm-hmm. and yet mm-hmm. completely authentic. And I yeah, I think the, the best of them is the father. Well, that's a good call. Like he, it's it's just exaggerated enough that I almost thought it was like secretly sinister when it was introduced, and then you realize like no, that's just. You know, that's just the, the the sort of mode he's in. No, really terrific stuff. Um, yeah, I have, I have. I think that's it. I, I can I can live without saying other things. I have I, that, I, I have one. bad <laughs> news for Breton, which is that I could walk us back in in two podcasts to the American Ghost in the Shell. We could podcast about that for a second time. Oh gosh, we we oh yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, did you remember that we had done that yeah. already? <laughs> <laughs> If you hadn't remembered, I was just not going to tell you. And <laughs> we'd get to watch a good Takashi Kitano movie in between. But I mean, I'd do it. Ooh, It'd be kind of funny. A boiling point. We could. Uh, get, there's a. Oh, I haven't seen cast that member yet. in common with with the discard. It's great. Um, I I was doing his movies in chronological order loosely, but I need to get back on that. My, my whole Plex setup died halfway through <laughs> Hanabi. And I haven't gone oh, back. Brutal. Yeah, it was, it was awful. Well, he, he, now you definitely have to do it because he's got his Final next one. and yeah. probably last movie coming out, right? So have people, have, I mean, I don't know when this will be released, but where was that playing? Was, it played at con. A, it played at con. It did play. Yeah, I haven't there heard, was heard a, nothing about it. There was a pretty meh, like, Ehrlich review that I <laughs> was going to make myself angry by well, reading and then didn't. Yeah. But, um, yeah, where he's where he's like he's like it's too i forget what he's, he's like oh open strong and then settles into like sort of repetitive rhythmic stuff i'm like yeah it sounds like a katana movie that sounds great what are you what are you talking about that's <laughs> exactly um but even, even if he's right about it i mean fuck that guy anyway that's right it's it's apparently I, a, a gay samurai movie which is very intriguing to me uh it's fantastic his, his gohato I, I guess yeah yeah exactly it, he doesn't seem like I mean he does a lot of like you know TV performances mm-hmm. and he's a comedian I, I wouldn't really I wouldn't really expect him to necessarily um, always be making tasteful you know jokes all the time mm-hmm. but I as soon as he says like he's making like basically a gay samurai movie I'm like oh I'm really curious because I don't I don't think of him I don't want to say there's no like sensuality to his images. There certainly is like, especially in something like Sonatine, like it, mm. but he, he can be very cold as well. He's very, cold and I'm curious how he's going to handle it because it, it's that, uh, well, anyway, I'm excited about it. We could t- don't, don't want to derail <laughs> sure, another movie, sure. but have you, you know, you got, you got to watch them all by the time that comes have out. you seen Gohado that he's in? No, I haven't. I haven't. Well, there you go. That's, so that's, I think Oshima's last movie. Yeah. Oshima. Yeah. And, um, that is also a gay samurai thing, and he is, of course, one of the one of the leads of that. So yeah, I I'm not I Oshima is a guy who I like a couple of his movies and didn't really like a few, and so I was never yeah that one say super motivated to watch more, but that's one that's on the it's it's where it's it's 
it doesn't have a lot of the Oshima stuff that people don't like. The, like, you know, aggressive psychosexual derangement or, uh, you know, <laughs> sort of aggressive new wave stuff. None of that is there. And it's, you know, much more, much more sort of stately and subdued and whatever. But uh, also, I think, a masterpiece. Like, really, really, really great. And a great uh, Ryuichi Sakamoto score, R.I.P. Uh, yeah, well, there you go. Again, you got one of the the Yellow Magic Orchestra uh-huh. guys in there. You got to watch it. Maybe that'll be another uh, another podcast idea. It's just all the movies that they are either make cameos in or do <laughs> music fun. for. That's There's fun. quite a few. I, could, I would yeah. bet. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Some people would listen to that. You can find the podcast on Twitter at credit underscore chasers, where uh, right now Raylan Givens is our social media manager. Still, it seems like, and uh, you can find us <laughs> on. <laughs> on uh patreon at gamer.navy for uh always ad-free episodes although they seem to be ad-free right now i wasn't really sure how that was going to work with this new hosting Hmm. but uh also monthly bonus episodes uh as of recording there's going to be there will already have been at least one up on uh the cat in the hat another movie we watched that i don't recommend you watch along with us Give that one a pass. That's some good shit. Now <laughs> some you, real kind you of inject that shit straight into your veins, um, brother. That's one where we decided to take an alternate path, a, a movie we could have covered jumping from uh, either Doom or Sweet Home, I guess, uh, because they share makeup artists. Uh, Cat in the Hat. Quite a, quite a film. And Cat in the Hat. You can find me. Uh, see you in your Zeus like your cat in the hat. A quote, Chance the Rapper's <laughs> weird-ass bar that doesn't make any fucking sense. You can find me on Twitter at, and Letterboxd, I guess, at, at the third wall, T-H-E, the number three, R-D-W-A-L-L. Breton, where can people find you? Hackersfan95 on Twitter. Joe, you want to plug plug anything you like here? Where can, where can people find uh, you? If, well, they, you can find me on Twitter for now. At a, what I don't even remember what my thing is. At from the real, as in R E E L. I'll be posting about Obayashi over there probably. And chess. That's and what, and chess. Yeah. You can actually, if you want to um, play some chess with me, I'm on Lee Chess at uh, Thank You Moon Dog, all one word, lowercase. Yeah, so you want to play some chess? I'm I'm not that good at it, but uh, I do like playing it a lot, and I'm always down for some games. So yes. find me there. All right. Thanks you. Thanks for coming on. Was, I think this uh, this was a good a good one. I had a good time. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, thank you. It was fun talking. Always fun talking about Obayashi. And yeah, thanks for letting. Uh, it was fun hanging out. I think last time we told the people to fuck off, but we'll just say peace we this did. time. We'll be nicer. <laughs> peace. <laughs> have have like a nice Obayashi one. Obayashi would be say peace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Bye. Bye.